2: Hey, it's Monique, welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time tuning in. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 164. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective, to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is so much more than food. It truly is a lifestyle. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is Brown Vegan, and I'm also on YouTube. It's Brown Vegan there for recipes and more tips. So yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. I'm back with another conversation for you. I have Francesca on the show. Francesca is from Plantfully Based. That is her Instagram as well as her blog. Her blog is blog.com. And we just talk about a lot of the behind the scenes of starting a business and being a content creator, which is something that I absolutely love. You guys know that I love talking about the business side of things as well as the, vegans, the vegan stuff too. And so in this conversation, we talked about how she went vegan after a 30-day challenge, learning to veganize some of her family's favorite recipes. We also chat about building her Instagram and YouTube channel and the importance of Not only building those platforms, but owning your own space online, like having your own blog and newsletter. That is super important in this space where things change so much. To be able to have your own content and your own home for your content is so important. We also chat about optimizing your content and how both of us are really still trying to figure out how SEO works (laughs) so that we can get the best bang for our time when we do use our blog platforms we also talk about the power of repurposing your content, being consistent on your platforms, but also being mindful of burnout and how to overcome some of that. Finally, we talk about the money and the different streams of income that Francesca is building and bringing in from her business. As always, this is such a great conversation. You guys can get the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 164. And of course, be sure to go check out Francesca's blog. It is plantfullybasedblog.com and plantfullybased is her Instagram for beautiful pictures and content and recipes and all that good stuff. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation.
0: So I decided to go vegan almost six years ago. Now it was April 11th, 2016. I remember the date exactly because I tried to go vegan for 30 days. That was how I started. And I really started out first like for health reasons. So if you back up to January of 2016, like everyone and their mother, I was like, I want to be healthier in the new year and I want to lose weight and all that jazz, whatever. So I started to cut out dairy because I was like, okay, we know that dairy, as delicious as it was, it's really not the best for us. So, I started to cut out dairy and I was like, okay, I'm feeling good without the dairy. I didn't eat a lot of like fish. I never liked fish. And I just kind of like slowly was cutting out animal products. But my intention was not to go vegan during that time. I just was kind of cutting them out of my diet to see how I felt. And after doing that for like the span of like three, four months up until April, I finally felt ready where I could like kind of jump in for a full 30 days and not eat any animal products. So, I had my last non-vegan meal. It was April 10th. It was my graduate recital for grad school because I went to school for opera. And I had like my last dinner and my celebration. And then the next morning, I was like, that's it. You're going vegan for 30 days. And kind of like whatever happens, happens. I loved how I felt. I loved like my energy levels felt good. I just felt, I felt vibrant. Like I felt really, really good. And during that time, I sort of watched more documentaries and kind of just learned really about the animal agriculture industry and how, unfortunately, not really great it is. And, you know, I was one of those people who I was like, I'm never going to go vegan. What does it matter if I went vegan? And like, you know, what's wrong with milk? I don't get it. Like cows make milk. You know, I didn't know that And as naive as it sounds, you have to be pregnant to make milk. So you're making these cows pregnant and taking away their babies and everything. And I was learning all this and I just was horrified, I guess you could say probably. And I was like, you know what? I like how I feel. I feel really good. And I like that I'm doing something that to me feels right. I guess, you know, in my mind, this feels right. This feels like what I should be doing. And I just kind of stuck with it ever since then. And now here we are six years later. Yeah.
2: I love that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are like that where they're thinking, I don't understand why I have to be vegetarian Seems will be enough. Like I don't have to be vegan because they don't understand like all of the, the torture that goes on in the dairy and And the chickens with the chickens and the hens and everything, people don't usually make that correlation. So yeah, I absolutely understand what you're saying when you mentioned that.
0: Okay, now I got to go back though, because you were opera singer? Yeah, so that's what my degrees are actually in. I'm a trained opera singer. And this was not the career path I ever imagined. Right, because this is
2: a huge difference from being an opera singer to being a blogger. I know you don't like the word influencer, but yeah. influencer, because that's what you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about that later. But being an opera singer, have you You were classy. You say you were trained in that. Have you been doing singing since you were young?
0: Yeah, like a kid? I mean, you know, it just kind of started. I was in like the third grade talent show and I sang like Little Mermaid and, you know, people went up to my mom. They were like, your daughter can because she could sing. And my mom, you know, of course, your mother and your parents always think you can do well at what you're doing. But my mom was like, oh, you know, thanks. And then I eventually started to study singing more. And then I applied to college. And that was what I decided I was going to study. And so I got my bachelor's and my master's in vocal performance, which is opera. And I sang in Italy. It was amazing. And I loved it. And music will always be important to me. But now I get to do something else that's creative. And I love this too.
2: Yeah, that's so dope. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. I think you kind of mentioned it before when we spoke, but I wasn't, I am like, wait, maybe I just heard that wrong. Yeah. I
0: feel like whenever I say it, people are like, wait, what? An opera singer? I'm like, yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So when you first decided to become vegan, were you much of a cook? Like how did this look for you?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, we, you know, I'm Italian. I grew up cooking, you know, straight out the gate. I used to sit with my great grandmother and we would make, you know, dough out of flour and water. And we'd talk about how you can make pizza and how you can make cookies. And my other grandma, we would sit there and talk about shopping lists. You know, how are we going to make a soup? How are we going to make the pasta? You know, whatever it was. And when I was in college, I was in a sorority and I used to like cook dinner for all my sorority sisters. I wasn't vegan back then, but I would cook dinner for them. And I have always loved cooking. So You know, a lot of that did translate into vegan cooking. But of course, I had to learn how to make a lot of things. You know, my mother did not make seitan and tofu growing up. That's not a very Italian thing. I had to learn how to do it. And I was able to translate some of the stuff that I knew from my parents and my grandparents and everything like that. But I had to learn a lot, too.
2: Yeah. I feel like a lot of it, I mean, you know how you can be like the best cook in the world, but then, like you said, when you decide to become vegan, it's just different. <laughs> it's very, very different. A lot of times we're dealing with ingredients that we've never used. So it just takes a little bit of time to figure out what works for us. So
0: I like that. Yeah. hundred percent.
2: So as an Italian, you got to tell us, like being that you were able to make all of those dishes, dishes with your mom, your grandmother, how did this look? Were you able to veganize a lot of the dishes that you grew up eating? Did you go in that route, or did you do it completely different? Like you said, with the te- the tempeh, the seitan? what did you do? Well,
0: I definitely have veganized like a lot of my family's recipes, and there was a lot of recipes that I wanted to save for the cookbook too, because I didn't, you know, I wanted them to be really special. These were like family recipes that I wanted just in a in the cookbook, not maybe scattered around on the internet and things like that. And then I try and take like the ingredients, you know, an example of that is like my, I have a recipe in the cookbook called Betty grandma's meatballs, which is like my great grandma. She was this tiny little 90 pound woman, but she could cook and bake like, you know, nobody's business. And she would make these meatballs. And so I veganized them, but I used textured vegetable protein. I used artichoke hearts. So I'm trying to take these Vegan ingredients and translate them into, you know, my family recipes. Another good example is like a tofu regotta. Like, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty well known one on the internet now. But you know, you who would have thought to take a block of tofu and turn it into a vegan regotta substitute? And when you give it to people, they're kind of like, oh wait, that's tofu in there. And I'm like, Yeah, it is. You just ate tofu.
2: Mhm. I love that. And I think that's the best part of that people don't expect when you decide to go vegan that you can truly just make this the way you want it to be. You don't have to be stripped completely of all of your your history, your cuz food is so important to a lot of us. You know, food is like everything. It's like so intertwined. It like it becomes everything that we are. So I just love that we're able to still continue to you know, hold on to some of those traditions, but just in a more compassionate way. So that's important.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I remember I did feel sort of like a little sad. I was like, well, I'm never going to have like my mom's meatballs again. You know, yeah. Sunday dinners is a big deal, meatball sauce. But I was like, no, I can still enjoy Sunday dinner with my family. I'm going to make it in my own way, you know. And I see so many people online who are doing that. And it's amazing because they're veganizing their family's recipes, they're sharing it with the world. And it's a really great way to enjoy everything you used to love in, you know, a cruelty-free way.
2: Absolutely. So of course, Francesca, you know, the main reason I wanted you on here is because I want to talk about the business stuff. I love, love, love talking about the behind the scenes of growing a vegan brand. And you are like, you are rocking it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you are doing you. this thing. Hey, I want to say that we initially connected because I listened to your podcast. Like I was already following you on Instagram, but then when I listened to your podcast, that's why I love this, this platform so much as medium so much, because I feel like you really get to know people with podcasting. Instagram can feel kind of impersonal. It's not as personable as a podcast where people kind of come on and like share everything, not necessarily everything, but you know what I mean. It's more intimate than Instagram. And so when I listened to your podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to meet her. Like, I think you're so cool. So thank you for being on here. But what was the first platform that you feel like you... Started with what was the first one? Was it blogging? Was it Instagram? What where did you begin your um journey yeah. with your business?
0: Well, first of all, thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the podcast because the podcast was a new venture at the time. And I, you know, we talked about this, but I took a little break. And then after you and I had our little chat, you kind of pushed me and I was like, I gotta get back into the podcast. And so we had our first <laughs> conversation. And you pushed me and you were like, We missed your podcast. And I was like, I know, I have to bring it back. So thank you for pushing me to bring it back because I really appreciate it. I don't know if it would have come back so quickly if I didn't get a little kick in the butt from you. Yeah, you're welcome. So yeah, so my first platform that I was on was Instagram. It started, you know... That was like the first thing I did, and it did wasn't even plant fully based back then. It was called thirty vegan days and it was just I started it as like a food diary so I could post my little vegan recipes and follow vegan you know bloggers at the time and get inspiration and from there, people like started following me and I was like, oh my gosh, why are people following me like I'm I just want this to follow people on, you know and yeah, from there it kind of just started to grow and grow and then I was like, wait, I feel like I could take some pictures and I feel like I could do this stuff too. And then I remember when I hit a thousand followers, I was like, oh my God, like a thousand people want to follow me. That's so cool. Like a thousand people are liking what I'm doing, which was amazing.
2: So then, cause you know, a lot of times, especially because you started, you said what, 2016, I yeah. feel like back then people were still on the blogging. So I think it's so interesting to hear that you started on Instagram and then went to blogging.
0: Yeah, I think a blog always felt very overwhelming to me. And I feel like you're right. Blogging was so big and blogging is still so big and important, but I guess it feels a little less important right now because we have all these social media platforms to keep up with and deal with. But I don't know, I guess Instagram felt very manageable because I was like, I could just snap a quick picture, you know, just upload my little oatmeal or my little, you know, whatever I was eating. (laughs) And, Done, like, and if people interacted with it great, and if they didn't, then great, because it wasn't like I wasn't feeling stressed about it back then, right not as much effort, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I used in my iPhone, and like we had like a white tray that was like solid, so I would just use that to like put my little bowls on, and I was like, that's good, like this looks great,
2: <laughs> yeah, and then were you doing a lot of recipe writing on Instagram at the time?
0: I didn't start putting out recipes probably until like maybe. Like four or five months into like doing Instagram, I remember the first like real recipe that I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a recipe where these like coconut pancakes, and that was like a few months into it. And you know, I put the recipe in the caption and everything. And then after doing that for a few months, I was like, huh, I should probably have a blog. Like I had been talking to some other people, and they're like, no, you should definitely like make a blog. And so I made a blog, and then I made a YouTube channel, or actually. I might have made the YouTube channel first and then I made the blog. I can't remember. Either way. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't
2: realize that. I'm thinking of the blog was next. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you were like on all the hot platforms. You were like, let me let me let me maximize these platforms. And then you went to the blogging.
0: I think so. Yeah. I always I always loved YouTube because I used to watch like all the makeup girls. I was like, I want to be a YouTube makeup girl. Like I thought it was so cool that they got to like sit in their sweatpants and do makeup on camera and they would get all these free p- makeup products. Like I was like, I always really was like kind of infatuated with YouTube because I mean like back then it was like the start of all these people who we have now who are like these crazy famous makeup YouTubers. Mm
1: -hmm. So I feel like
0: I went to YouTube first and then I went to the blog because I was like, okay, I should really have a spot where all these recipes are written down. People can search for them and then that way if you, you know, God forbid Instagram shut down, I lost my Instagram, it was hacked, whatever, at least my recipes are all still there and they're not just on Instagram.
2: Yeah, that's so important. It's wild because I started off blogging and then I went to YouTube and then Instagram. And I feel like these days I'm really trying to focus on the blogging because I love how you said that it's still relevant because a lot of people tell me that they don't think it is anymore. And I'm like, I feel like it's more relevant than it's ever been blogging. It's so important, especially if you really want to have like a long term brand. Like you can stand a test of whatever goes on with the algorithms and all these platforms. You like, we talked about before, you own that. That's your space. And so I just really want to focus this year on just blogging more and just really doing more videos and. And capital you know, getting that space like keyword research, things that I've never done before. I really want to learn those. Are you how do you feel about that? Are you really researching things or are you just kinda posting what you enjoy?
0: Oh, I definitely agree. I mean, like we said, the blog is yours. It's evergreen content, it never goes away. And, you know, I have just started to like kind of like up my SEO game. A really good plugin is Yoast SEO on WordPress. So when I actually first made my blog, I kind of messed up because so there's wordpress.com and wordpress.org. And I was oh, like, you did.com? Oh my goodness. I set, my, you did.com? yeah, I set the blog up on <laughs> wordpress.com. So for about three years, it was on wordpress.com. And I was like so confused because I was like, Why is everyone talking about like, these things that I can't access on my WordPress. Like, do I have to pay for it? Like what's going on? And like, I'm just not the most tech savvy all the time. And then I realized there's two different ones. So I made the switch over to wordpress.org. Like it was about this time last year, actually, because I was on wordpress.com for a while and I was like, all right, you got to switch over. And now I'm like finally learning about SEO and stuff. And it is, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to think about. And sometimes I do wonder like, is just less is more like I've been doing it all these years without any of that stuff, without SEO research, without keywords. Right. And I don't know, maybe I've been lucky. I don't know what it could be, but I've been doing pretty good without it. So like sometimes I'm like, maybe there's just too much like heady stuff. And I also feel like a lot of People try to make courses and stuff and like sell you. They're like, you know, take my SEO keywords course and like you're gonna learn how to like Google rank and all this stuff. And like, I get it, people are making businesses, but sometimes I'm like, maybe that's just like too overwhelming. I don't know. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I also started off with .com too because I didn't know. And, yes. and, and this seems like it made the most sense. It seemed like logically it would be the .com one, not the .org, right? Like I don't even know what that was. About. I know. Yeah, the same thing happens. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I just had a, a meeting with my manager earlier about this because she was saying how we need to do more SEO research and how we I can go in my old post and what I can do to optimize it. And I'm really excited about this. But I also feel overwhelmed because I was like, man, it's pre- I did pretty good, despite the fact that I knew nothing. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
2: so, do I really want to change it? But she's right, though. You know, She's going to help me. So I think that that takes away from it a little bit. But the idea of somebody starting from fresh and they have to do it all themselves and it's like this whole workflow, oh man, I can understand why people would be like, I'm not doing all of that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's kind of what I'm going through right now because actually I just gave the blog a new facelift. I finally, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the stupid foodie pro theme like everyone and their mother does because- it works for a reason. And I like updated the blog like that. And then I was like, all right, let's learn about like Yoast SEO and like all that stuff. So I'm actually going back through all these old blog posts right now and putting in the SEO to like check with the key phrases. And like, I just learned what meta descriptions were. I had no clue. Didn't know oh you didn't get <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I'm loving this. Okay. Cause I feel like we've been doing this for a while and we still don't
2: know everything. So I think that this is, this is helpful for people. Like, don't feel like everything has to be perfect because I just
0: felt that found out what that was too. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I was like, and I'm like Googling, like what are meta descriptions? I don't get what this is. And like, cause I'm like listening to another podcast and I'm like, yeah, meta descriptions, meta descriptions. And I'm like, what is this? I don't know what it is. And like, you know, I think luckily we're in an age where you can find a lot of stuff online for free. You know, Mm -hmm. like, unfortunately, I do think there are a lot of people who try to sell these courses, and there's a lot of this stuff online for free. You know, look for the free stuff first, learn what you can. And then if you feel like you need to take a paid course, then take one. But there's a lot of resources online. And I think, yeah, like you said, you know, we've been doing this for a while and we're still learning. Like, I think this is just something you're always going to be learning in this career. And no matter where you start and what you start on, like, there's always another platform, there's always something you can learn. And I think you just have to kind of accept that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, it's important to like approach all of it like you don't know anything, even when you start learning. Exactly, <laughs> because 100%. You're yeah. Okay. So if you had to start all over again, right? Mm-hmm. Which platform would you start with?
0: Well, I always say that I wish I my YouTube was the account with the most amount of followers on it. So I feel like I might start with YouTube first. Okay. Why? Well, I like YouTube because it's monetized. So YouTube did change some things, which I'm sure you know, but I'll just say it for whoever's listening. You have to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time to be monetized. So that was like a big change that they made like a few years ago. But once you hit that, then you're like good to go. You're monetized and you're happy, whatever. And so I feel like with videos I've had videos that like I've posted and then they've like randomly taken off like months later like maybe that's just what people are searching for you know YouTube is basically its own search engine in a way so it can make it easier for people to find you it can be easier to grow on I feel like YouTube values their creators more than Instagram does and yeah. I feel like because so basically when you get paid from YouTube it's not like you just get all the money YouTube takes some of the money too from your ads so they're like benefiting from you in a way. So I feel like they're more inclined to keep you happy. Whereas like Instagram, they don't, you're just a number over there. (laughs) Yeah. You're just a number. And I feel like they got a little bitter because they were like, Oh, like people are doing sponsored posts and making a lot of money and we're not making any money from it. Yeah, And they were kind of like, huh, we're not happy about this, which I mean, I don't blame them, but at the same time, it's kind of like their own fault. So my point is I feel like with YouTube, there's a much higher reward. Every time I post, I'm making money. Whereas on Instagram, when I post a picture, when I post a reel, I'm not making any money from it. And of course, money is not the end all be all, but I feel like, you know, I would rather have YouTube probably set up a little bit better with more people on there just for the sake of like, it could be easier for people to find you and videos are where everything is headed anyway. So, you know, practice your videos and everything like that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that because, I mean, I feel like, like you mentioned, because they take, what, 30, 40 percent of our money on YouTube, they have invested interest. So yeah. they always give us, they always send us tips. They always tell us ways to improve. They want us to be successful because they are successful because of it. And like you said, Instagram was seeing how everybody was making all that sponsored content and they could not figure out how to get some of it so they just bury it <laughs> that, <laughs> now, no, literally that's
0: it. like that's what they did and so now it's like crazy because when i work with companies there it's like it went from like you know we're just we want to do a sponsored post to then they ask for like do we have your permission you know what would be your rate to whitelist an image or to you know to push it out for sponsored stuff and everything like that because now it's like kind of falling back on these brands that they need to push this sponsored post out because Instagram, like as soon as Instagram sees like hashtag sponsor, they're like, Oh, no one's going to see it. Ha ha. Like jokes on you because they need to make money. So then it's like, they're forcing the brands to pay for this ad space in a way. And then the brands are paying us too. And it's like, I do wonder sort of what the longevity of that is because it's going to become eventually probably too much money for a brand. Like, will it be worth it? I don't know.
2: Right. Like the return of the investment. I wonder about yeah. that as well. And I, and I feel like with Instagram, <laughs> like there's so much, you know, well, well, YouTube, let's go back to that real quick sure. because of YouTube, we you make the money from AdSense. And then I noticed that, I don't know about you, if you have done it much sponsored content on YouTube, but I'm able to charge way more on in, YouTube than Instagram because it's definitely more evergreen content. Like we mentioned before, people, people, comment on videos I've done five years ago, you know? And Instagram, the the lifespan of a post is what, 24 hours, they say, unless it goes viral. And then when it goes viral, it's only viral for a little bit of time. Yeah. It's not like something that's going to live on like a YouTube post. So I just feel like my, the time is definitely well spent on YouTube, but I also feel like there's so much effort to make YouTube videos and I'm coming back to, to YouTube. I've been talking about this for like the last year, but I'm going to finally do it. Right. And I'm going to have help as far as having someone edit for me. Cause that's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. And I just want to know, what does your process look like? Are you someone who is posting weekly? Like, how does your workflow look when it comes to YouTube?
0: Yeah. So I post, I try to post a video every week. When I first started YouTube, I was posting, like, I tried to post a video every two weeks, which was, I mean, two videos every week. Sorry. And that's like, that was a lot. Like, I don't know how I did that back then, but I feel like it was just, I was trying so hard to get the channel going. So I just wanted to get as much content up as possible. Now I'm like one video a week is good. And like, sometimes I'll skip like last week I had so much going on with like trying to fix this blog stuff that I was like, I don't have time to do a video this week. So they're not getting a video this week. Like, sorry, but I've also been seeing some success. I kind of do like series. So I'll put out, you know, like five recipes themed around a certain thing. So I've done like, I think I did, it was like a barbecue series. So that was like all summer recipes. I did that back in June For the holidays, I did like a 12 days of holiday recipes, which that was so much. 12 recipes in a row was a lot of work. And I'm preparing right now for I'm calling it my Eat Your Greens series. And I'm actually going to space those out a little bit and do them like every Wednesday and Sunday. It'll be five recipes. So I just try and like go with the flow. But if I get one video up a week, that's like enough. And I feel like that's good. Also because I find that like, with the YouTube video. Yeah. Like people sometimes click on it later. Like sometimes like the video doesn't do super great in the beginning and then it'll pick up like a few days later in the week. Like when people have time to sit down and watch a video, you know, it's not like a reel where they're only watching for a few seconds on their phone. It's like, they're kind of committing to you in a way. So they may be like, want to watch the video, but maybe they don't have time till later in the week to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I feel like, you know, just it's, it's more about being consistent. I think, So if you say, okay, it's a video every two weeks, then just make sure it's a video every two weeks. If you're committing to a a video every week, then do your best to make sure it's a video every week, you know, and I feel like it's good because you want to keep popping up in your subscribers inboxes. Like it feels when I follow someone on YouTube and I'm watching them and I'm like, huh, I haven't seen them in months. I kind of, you start to forget about them.
2: It's Monique hopping in real quick to let you know that I put together a vegan starter kit for you. So if you are vegan curious or you're a vegetarian, I put together some steps that you should take in order to make vegan life a reality for you. In the vegan starter kit, I go over meal planning, grocery shopping, eating out and all of the steps that you need to take to get started right now in a very practical way. Head over to brownveganvip.com to download the free vegan starter kit. That's brownveganvip.com. As well, because I feel like in a way, have you noticed this, that I feel like YouTube is kind of moving in the Instagram direction? Like if you're not consistent, they'll bury you. (laughs) If you're not, you don't get a certain amount of views within a certain amount of time. People won't see you come up on their subscription feed. I'm, I'm noticing like a lot of changes over there as well, even though they do treat us better, like you mentioned. I feel like they're still doing some algorithm changes. Oh yeah. And they you
0: know they definitely yeah. are. I mean, they do treat us better, but yeah, they definitely are. And like I've had people who are like, Oh, you haven't popped up in my subscription box for months. And I'm like, Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately can't do anything about that. I just can encourage you to just keep coming back and checking the channel regularly and like signing up for my newsletter, you know. I always and that's another thing I think like the newsletter is so important. Like everybody should have a newsletter. It goes directly to your subscribers' emails, and I feel like everyone checks their email. You're not going to miss an email, and you know, there's no algorithm controlling emails. You send an email out, and it gets sent. It's not like, oh, you may or may not get this email. No, you're getting the email. So it's the best way to kind of notify your people about what's happening.
2: Yes, it is. I love this conversation so much because it's a a lot of talk about going back to the basics. And I went a long time, I would say like two and a half years without sending a newsletter, even though I I had this podcast and I post on Instagram and I have my YouTube channel and stuff. But yeah, going back to that, I think it's just so, so important. Who do you use? I use Flowdesk.
0: Yeah, I really like them. So are you sending one out weekly? I honestly, I, sometimes I send them out twice a week. I try, if there's a new recipe, they definitely get that. So they get that whenever that happens. And then sometimes like I'll send one out on a Monday, like, you know, like kind of like four recipes to like start your week off. Like I try to keep it like sometimes themed, like obviously like we just started spring. So like when I sent mine yesterday, I was like, welcome spring, like here are four springtime recipes for you to kind of enjoy and look at. And I think it's also good because as you're getting new people on your newsletter, you're probably getting them from your social media or people visiting your blog. So it's a chance to kind of push out old content again. And I think it, people always forget that you should push out your older content. Like I was always someone who was like, I need to just keep creating content and more content and new content. But like I have so many recipes that I can guarantee that people have not seen all of them. So Mm -hmm. it's important to push those old ones out and like you know, the longer you blog and the longer you create, the more content you have to push out and especially for like seasonal things like, you know, I'm already like I could push out a bunch of spring and summer recipes from the last few years that people who are new or haven't seen and people who are older may have forgotten about anyway. So it doesn't matter.
2: Yep. It's so important. And that's how we avoid burnout too, like yeah. repurposing a lot of those things. Yeah. Because I, okay, I, you, you put out two episodes, I think. I think your latest one was about burnout. It was. I saw the title. Okay, let's talk about that. Have you had an issue? I hate that I didn't listen yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then I, I couldn't answer my own question and I know where you, we can, direction we can go into. But just tell us
0: like, what is
2: your experience with burnout?
0: Well, so in that episode, I kind of talk about how, and it was kind of partly what the reason why I just, let the podcast fall to the side. Like I felt so much burnout and I felt so unmotivated starting the beginning of this year. And I was just like, I don't want to do anything. Like I didn't want to make recipes. I didn't want to make videos. I was, I was, and still am feeling very frustrated by Instagram. You know, once you start to feel like frustrated by one thing, I feel like it's just a domino effect where you're like, everything is falling and everything's failing and i don't want to do anything so i was like i don't want to do instagram i don't want to work on the blog i don't want to do a podcast like i was just like in a you know in a kind of a bad mental space and feeling resentment towards work and not feeling that let like, a creative spark and creative bug and i feel like that's very normal in a when you're a content creator because you can't be like on all the time and i feel like it's also you know in that blog in that podcast i talk about how it's applicable to obviously being in your own office environment, work environment, everybody experiences burnout in some capacity. And I think, you know, it's about how you pull yourself out of it eventually. But yeah, I mean, burnout is like so real. And I, I know a lot of content creators are going through it. Like I talked to my other food blogger friends and they're like, yeah, I'm like really fed up with people not seeing my content. And I'm like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. it's awful. Why would you spend hours creating content for no one to see it. You know, it's a really kind of a bad feeling. And that kind of pushes you to like, be like, well, you know what, I'm not going to do something this week. And then I'm not going to do something the next week. And then before you know it, it's been like a few weeks and you're just kind of like, I don't want to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to
2: this so much, especially when you already have things going on in your life. And then you don't really want to put all this extra effort into something that no one would see. Like your personal life is not the best. I can relate to all of that. And I feel like I'm just getting out of it. I feel like I've been, I was burnt out for like two and a half years. (laughs) Like to be honest. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So do you have anything that you suggest for, I mean, anything that you're doing for yourself so that you can feel better about the work,
0: regardless if not as many people are seeing it? Well, there's a few things. So the first thing is like, I'm very happy it's now springtime. You know, I'm, I'm trying to like take the energy of like the sun and like the warmth and just kind of like, Internalize that a little bit. I know it probably sounds like a little bit hokey, but like I feel like we're, absolutely not. we're coming <laughs> out amazing. of winter. Like, let's like embrace this new season. And you know, I feel like spring. We always associate it with like blooming and you know, like spring cleaning and like a time to refresh and rejuvenate. You know, so like just kind of feeding off of that energy. Something that helps me is I'm a big writer. I love writing lists. I love writing, you know, gratitude and everything like that. And for me, I find when I kind of reframe my mindset, I talk about this a lot, but I really like reframing my mindset into positivity instead of negativity. So instead of sitting there and going, oh my goodness, like, you know, only 1700 people liked this post. This is awful. You know, this is terrible. And comparing it to when I was getting consistently 8,000 to 15,000 likes on a post, I'm going to sit there and say, 1700 people took the time out of their day to like my post. 1700 people took the time out of their day to interact with it. You know, people take the time to make my recipes. People take the time to message me. And I kind of flip the script where I'm expressing gratitude for, you know, what I have instead of being ungrateful for what's not coming in right now. And, you know, for me that is very helpful because I feel like, you know, when you're in that low and you're in that negative space, you could just keep adding the negativity and it feels very easy to do that. But you have to be able to kind of just flip it and be like, all right, no, like I've got people who are listening. I've got people who are following. I have people who want me here. And, you know, so things may be not, things might not be going as great as they were, but there's still people who want me here. So I got to keep pushing forward. And also, you know, just write out like what, you can do to help the things you can control. I'm a big control freak. I wish I could control every single aspect of my life. Obviously I cannot. And I find for me, like, I'm like, okay, what can I control? Okay. I can work on this blog. I can make this blog better. I can learn about SEO. I can keep just showing up and putting out my great pictures and my great recipes and my great content. That's what I can control. I can't control if you see my post. I can't control if you decide to like it. I can't control if you decide to comment on it. But I can control the quality of the work I'm putting out. And, you know, that is kind of what you need to focus on in a sense.
2: Absolutely. Oh, I love this so much. And then when you say 1,500 people, when you think about it, that's a lot of people. Like, if you have 1,500 people in like some type of arena, that's a lot of people, you know? So I love that. I love that mindset shift because. I mean, people the people who need it will get it. Yes. And if you're consistent and you show up, and that just kind of goes with just to say what you were talking about as far as consistency, when you show up, people will know to look for you. So I wouldn't worry about that. And I absolutely agree with all of this. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Let's shift gears and talk about the money, yes. the money, 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 the different <laughs> streams of income because people always want to know like how, oh, first, before we get into that, why don't you like the word influencer?
0: Oh, I don't like it because- <sighs> Well, I feel like it kind of became like a dirty word, like influencer. It has like a bad connotation with it. Like, I feel like a lot of people, when they think of influencers, they now think of these like teenagers who make millions of dollars and are living in mansions in LA, like, and like driving Teslas around town. So I don't, I feel like it's like, it just sounds like kind of weird. People have a weird idea of it, but I also feel like, I mean, it kind of like puts a big responsibility on me. Like, Oh like you're influencing people like what you what you're doing like really matters which is like true but it's also I'm like okay wait hold on I'm just putting out recipes like don't don't like don't put <laughs> like too relax. much on me like I'm not I'm just yeah. in here giving you guys pictures and recipes like hang on <laughs> so I like I like content creator better because that's kind of the title I feel like I am like I'm a content creator I'm a photographer I'm a videographer you know and I'm always here to like connect with people and everything like that, but I don't know. I just feel like influencer sounds sounds a little like Gen Z ish, I guess. Now, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if people, you
2: know, want to know how you're making money, so let's talk about that yeah. on the different platforms. So, is the majority of your income sponsorships working with different brands?
0: Yeah, I would say probably ninety percent of my income is sponsorships. So, yeah, you just work with the different brands, and you know, you. Sometimes they reach out to you, sometimes you reach out to them. You know, I like the platform Aspire IQ, although they've been getting on my nerves because they started this area for brand and ambassador programs where basically like companies aren't gonna pay you. They're just gonna like give you a commission and affiliate link, which I'll talk about that in a second, why I'm not crazy about it and why I don't think anybody should just take commission and affiliate. That's
2: why I haven't been on there. I haven't been on there in months because of that. I'm like, I'm not, no.
0: I'm like, Oh, (laughs) this is a brand I really like. And then it's like, sign up for our affiliate program. Like you will be exposed to our million of followers on Instagram. And I'm like, wait, what? Like you want me to just create content for you for no money? No, no, no. Like, So, yeah, so basically, like, when you work with a company, they're like, hey, you know, can you make an Instagram video for us? Can you make a YouTube video for us? Can you do a blog post for us? Like, whatever it may be. And I'm like, sure, you know, these are my rates. And then there's usually some negotiation. Sometimes they agree to everything flat out, which is amazing. Sometimes they, you know, they're like, hey, like, I can pay you, like, a little bit less than, like, what you're asking for. And you're like, okay, I'll, like, I'll take it. Sometimes they really lowball you. And then I'm like, listen, it's, we either got to, like, redefine the deliverables, you know. Or we just, it might not be the right time for us to work together. And yeah. And then there's like a lot that I've learned in terms of like, also, you know, so a lot of these companies want to take your content that you create for them now and they want to use it on their own social media, which is kind of like combining Mm -hmm. freelancing and being a content creator because they want you to post on yours, but then they also want to like take it and maybe use it on their website and, you know, use it on their social media, which is awesome, you know, but you should also be paid for that. So I've learned a lot about like that I should charge for usage rights and that you should always make sure that you retain ownership over your content. You should always make sure that's a clause in a contract. Also, always sign a contract. Do not do any sort of sponsorship without signing a contract. And, you know, also brand exclusivity. Some brands will be like, hey, you know, for the next three months, you can't work with somebody that's our competitor. You got to charge for that because then that's like three months of not work for you, basically, which are all things I like learned along the way that I kind of didn't think about in the beginning. You know, I was so excited the first time a company wanted to work with me and then the second time and then a third time. And then, you know, towards the middle, I was like, Hey, wait a minute, I should probably like figure out like usage rates and stuff, you know? And yeah, so the sponsorships are great and it gives you a really great opportunity to work with companies that you love. And it's really, it's how I make most of my money. They're very important.
2: Yeah. Do you are you doing packaging a meaning as far as like are you saying okay a blog post, Instagram post, YouTube video kind of thing or you're just doing based on what the brand wants? How do you,
0: how are you usually presenting your deliverables? So, I have my media kit. In case you're listening you don't know what a media kit is. It's basically like a, a resume, you know, you usually have a little blurb about yourself, you can have some of your stats, you can have companies you've worked with and then you can put your rates on there. You may not want to put your rates on there. I have my rates on there so that way you know, when a company says, Hey, Francesca, we want to work with you. I'm like, Hey, okay, here's my media kit. And like, we just can get this ball rolling a little bit quicker. And I have mine kind of set up as like Instagram video is X, Y, Z, Instagram picture is X, Y, Z. And then I always tell them like, you know, if you're looking for a package, if you're looking for multiple posts, if you're looking for something, you know, I can always offer a discount and rate and we can negotiate. So I kind of go off of what the brand wants, because I've had some companies where they're like, yeah, we want, YouTube video, blog post, Instagram picture, Instagram video, rights, exclusivity, right? So like that's like a really involved, which is great. But then I've had other companies who are like, we just want one Instagram post. We don't want to repost it on our social media. We don't want exclusivity. Like, you know, so it's, it's a lot easier in a way, I guess, to, you know, deal with something like that. But I always say, yeah, if a company is like looking to give you continued business, you could definitely offer a little bit of a discount, you know, don't knock off a lot of money, but if you want to knock off a few hundred bucks here or there, you know, to make it like sort of like an amicable thing, then that's cool. And I think, you know, you could do that, especially if you're going to work with a brand like for a whole year or something, you could kind of give that wiggle room. So uh, do you usually, uh, most of yours is happening on Instagram, you would say? Yeah, I've done it on Instagram. I've done it on YouTube, the blog, and I've done, I think I did one or two sponsored on TikTok, but TikTok is like really not my my area right now, so that's oh my kind gosh, of
2: so many fresh. I've got so many platforms. I know <laughs>
0: there's not enough time in a day, so no.
2: There isn't. So with the ninety percent from sponsorships, working directly with brands, where's the rest of the money coming from?
0: Well, I would say like the other like ten percent is kind of coming from. Uh, like affiliate links. I really just do Amazon affiliate links. I'll be honest. I'm not making like that much from it. You know, it's just kind of like a little extra added bonus. I see some of these videos where people are like, I made $30,000 in one month with Amazon affiliate links. And I'm like, all right, maybe I need to learn something here. because I'm not (laughs) making $30,000 a month from Amazon affiliate links. So, you know, there's things like that. You know, you can do affiliate links from companies, I've I've really found it not to be that successful. And that's kind of why I'm also a big, you know, proponent for like, don't work for commission codes. You deserve to be paid for your time. I don't know why in this industry people feel like, oh, like exposure and commission codes and affiliate links are, you know, compensation for hours of time. It doesn't really make sense to me. You wouldn't like have like a plumber come to your house and be like, well, I'm gonna just pay you in food, hope that's okay, and you can share it with your family, and then I'll tell everyone you were a great plumber. Like Doesn't work that way. No, you pay them money. So, you know, that's personally why I'm not crazy about like when companies are like, you know, like we'll give you this affiliate link. Like most of the time I haven't found high success with it. Another like small percentage has been ebook sales. I haven't been pushing my ebooks as much because I'm pushing more so the cookbook. The cookbook is like a whole different animal in the sense that, you know, like you get paid in advance and then you have to earn back that advance, and then you get paid royalties. So it's kind of like a totally different process. For things like earning money. And, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, obviously, I would love to have ads on my blog, which I currently don't. I'm working towards that because I want to get with like a big ad company like Mediavine or AdThrive. But you need to have a certain amount of sessions per month which I'm not quite there yet. And then also Isn't it
2: like 100,000 or something crazy like that?
0: Yeah, I think Mediavine mm. is 50,000 sessions and AdThrive is 100,000 sessions, which is like so much. And I'm so annoyed because Mediavine just upped it from 25,000 to 50,000. And I'm like, what? Damn. Like that is, yeah. that's just, it's, I mean, I get it, but it's like a lot. It's It's very high. But you know what I
2: noticed though? A lot of times people who have that, who who work with them networking, they don't really even have to do like sponsorship posts or anything. Like all they have to do is do their content, focus on that because they're making so much money from that.
0: Yeah. That's why I like really want to focus back on the blog a little bit more. And also I completely forgot, but YouTube AdSense too. YouTube AdSense makes me a decent amount of money. I mean, it's not again, it's nothing spectacular. I would not be able to live off of it, but it's just an extra added thing in addition to everything, you know, else that I'm doing. But yeah, the, the blog is definitely, I'm like, okay, I need to get that blog sorted out because I just, I know people are making so much money from the blog. So oh, they are. I'm like, I yeah. want part of that, that- too. <laughs>
2: Right. Me too. And I love how with blogging, because the the content, could. I just said something, someone who actually has a finance podcast was talking about her, her blog. She makes made $145,000 last oh year gosh. passively. Yeah. And I was
1: like, damn,
2: it's so much potential there. She said she didn't write any new content last year. I honestly and I, wouldn't
0: be surprised. Yeah. If she was coming up on Google searches and like, she just hit something big. Yeah. That's kind of it's why a- I like YouTube because like you know, I'm making like my one video, like my pizza video, it, I uploaded it three years ago and it just, it makes me consistent money. I'm not doing anything to it. I'm not changing it. I'm not making another video, but it's always making me consistent money. Like it's great.
2: Yeah. And a good thing is when they watch the pizza video, they'll like, oh, what else does she have? And then they click over and watch something else. And then you make money from that too. Exactly. <laughs> so that's always a good thing. Yeah. So if someone is starting out, I know you mentioned for you, you would want to focus on YouTube and grow in a YouTube channel. So for people who are listening, who are looking to be a a content creator, what suggestions do you have for them to get started? It doesn't, in whatever platform, whatever advice, it could just be like mindset advice, whatever you want to share. Let us know what that looks like.
0: Yeah, I think the first thing is, you know, have a game plan. Don't just start a page, post a few times and then kind of abandon it. It takes a few months of consistency. Don't get discouraged. There's a lot of people creating right now. And, you know, it may take a little bit of time for you to get some attention. And so don't get upset by that because that's very normal. And that's exactly how this kind of all runs. You know, try to think about what you want to add to the space. There are a lot of people doing a lot of the same things. So think about how you're going to be different. What are you bringing to the table that someone else isn't bringing? And, you know, just start. I know that probably sounds like contradictory, like, you know, just start, don't plan and whatever, but people are already doing this. So you do kind of need to just start, like, yeah. don't hesitate, just go for it. And you'll figure it out along the way. I didn't know anything. I didn't know a single thing about what I was doing. Everything I learned, I've taught myself. So you will learn and you'll gain experience through trial and error and you just got to go for it. And also, I I kind of forget about TikTok, but it is a good platform so maybe start on two right now because everyone is kind of blowing up on that. Instagram, I feel like is a harder platform to start on because they're annoying, but that's also <laughs> my own personal opinion. So start on whatever platform you feel like makes sense for you, you know, start however you want to start and just start, do it as consistently as you can and make content that you love. If you love it, then that's the most rewarding part.
2: Yes. Okay. So before we wrap up, let us know like anything that you're looking forward to for the rest of 2022 and beyond, like, what are anything exciting that you are looking to dive into
0: outside of getting back into blogging? I'm very excited to keep going with the podcast and bringing that back. And I just, you know, I just want to, all I keep saying is I just want to keep growing plantfully based. I mean, you know, A few years down the line, I'd love to have a second cookbook. I've always said I would love to open a restaurant. You know, that's going to be a lot of work. I don't think that's happening by the end of 2022, Mm -hmm. but just sometime in the future. And I just want to keep growing and expanding and learning and just kind of soaking up what I can and putting out the best content that I can create.
2: Yes. And that's the way it should be. Okay. So tell us uh, how we can follow the podcast because I absolutely love it. And I don't know if you know this about this, but this is how I see it. Because you were talking about burnout and everything else that's going on. I feel like the podcast is going to be an amazing outlet for you. I don't know if you see that yet, but I see that for you. That is going to be just a great way for you to just share your thoughts and just like a good outlet. So tell us how we can follow the podcast, buy your book, follow your Instagram, whatever you want us to do.
0: Yes. And I agree. I think the podcast will be a really good outlet, especially because I like to talk. So I'm just like, I get to chit chat, but yeah, I think the best place to probably go would be to check out the blog, planfullybasedblog.com. Cause that has like all my links for everything. And it also has also the newest podcast episodes. I've embedded it in the side and I have a podcast tab. If you listen on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that, you could just search up Vegan Thoughts. That's the name of the podcast. And then, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, TikTok, everything is just at plantfully based. And yeah, yeah. That's the best way to find me. I'm always available. You can always send me an email, a message. I like to hear back from people. I like when people make the recipes. I like to hear back about that. And yeah, I just try to be, you know, as communicative as possible with everyone. And that's pretty much it.
2: Yes, I really, really appreciate this conversation. I'm so glad you came in. I know this is going to help other content creators, people who are looking to come up in this space. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And I really, really appreciate you having me on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll talk to you next week.